1: This is Philosophy versus Improv, where two sages try to teach each other a thing or two, and maybe you, the audience, get something out of it as well. This is Mark Lintzenmeier, a philosophy high financier,
0: here to learn some improv. And I'm Bill Arnett, an improv capitalist. Curious about this thing I've heard called philosophy that I don't believe in.
2: My name is Matty Goldberg. I'm a comedian that is on a sabbatical. So right now, I don't do much.
0: Okay, comedian on a sabbatical. Is that different than being a comedian? Uh, no, it's a- Zing!
1: I brought a little theme, a little lesson. Bill brought a little lesson in his uh, bailiwick and we'll uh, unearth them. Maddie has not been prepared at all. No,
2: I have no idea what's going to happen. Your comedic
1: chops, I'm sure, will flow, will flow. Actually, is this a theory of comedy that trying to be funny is the best way to definitely, definitely not be funny?
2: Absolutely. I would agree with that. People that try too hard, it's a natural thing. And a lot of times you see people fail when they try to be funny. It's like the guy at the party that's talking way too much to try and impress the the ladies is usually very unfunny. Desperation in any sense is usually
0: unattractive, be it romantic desperation. So you can't be intentionally
1: ironically funny. In other words, I'm trying so hard to be funny, I know it's not going to be funny, but that in itself will be some sort of performance art piece and therefore
0: entertaining. Well, well this,
2: is this is good for me because my favorite form of comedy is unintentional comedy. That's what I look for. I don't really like watch stuff that is meant to be funny. I follow things that are so not funny that they're hysterical.
0: <laughs> but I think that does bring up an interesting point, Mark, this whole idea that not trying to be funny. Well, how do you explain someone choosing to get into comedy. I mean, isn't that trying to be funny, you know? I guess you're putting yourself in the situation
1: where comedy will occur. You're looking, as, as Matt just said, you're looking for that you can then observe. I mean, well, so, Maddie, your, your stand-up is you tell stories, it's observational, but you're still looking for punchlines or
2: whatever. You're, you're trying to sculpt something. I mean, I'll be as honest as possible. I started in the early 2000s where... You're trying to develop an act, a character, a craft. And then as time has gone by, it's now like, well, I want to achieve this. I want to get this. I have this amount of followers. You know, things have kind of shifted to everything kind of gets worse as time goes on. I guess that's my point. Where <laughs> People aren't in things for the right reasons. Where I think when I started, there was a lot of strange characters that we all kind of bonded and this little field of comedy. And then all of a sudden, it was like people that probably wouldn't do stand-up were then starting to do stand-up. And it was a means to more of being famous as opposed to, oh, yeah, I love Richard Pryor. I love George Carlin. I want to learn from them, or I want to like build something that's like unique and cool.
0: Just as you could say, Mark, when you
2: started your philosophy
0: podcast, maybe it was specifically just to explore these ideas with people you never would have had a chance to meet. And perhaps feeling that other people would enjoy the conversation between interesting people, as opposed to me starting a philosophy podcast, which drops next week called Funlosophy, which is purely a naked cash grab going after the rich load that is philosophy podcasts.
1: The, uh, There's a market. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I'm not sure. I always felt like we're the only reason that. People listen to the partial exam in life and hence this, to the extent that they listen to this is because of the names we're cashing in on. It's like being a fan cast. So you could just, in your thing, you could just say Thoreau, Nietzsche and just kind of say that. And, and then that would probably be enough that people would be like, yeah, yeah. wow, it's,
0: it's the most snotty pronunciation possible. But if you say it wrong, if you say Nietzsche canceled, you're, yep. you're done. Maybe I'll leave that in as little ironic Easter eggs so the listener can then try to divine if I was serious all along or if it was a, it was always a joke.
1: Yes, there are definitely podcasts that I've heard that the entire thing is a satire of another kind of podcast.
0: Well, I mean, there are YouTube videos that are essentially just like a computer reading the Wikipedia page. You know, Hoover Dam. Here's a video about the Hoover Dam. It's like, this is just a computer reading, literally reading the Wikipedia page or not much far away from that. Like... This can't be fun for anybody, even the person making it. I mean, there's no like, I can only ascribe ill motivation for doing that. I can't imagine a person who's like, I really think the world needs this, and I'm the person to give it to them. I got to think
2: it's just purely cash grab. I care about the Hoover Dam.
1: Are there YouTube videos that someone has like taken the text of a George Carlin routine? Maybe the George Carlin routine is it not, maybe it is itself available on YouTube, but instead have the robot voice read it. to a completely black screen or that just says george carlin in the middle of it we're layers of entertainment here i think this is good focus grouping
0: i've not seen that yet (laughs) (laughs) i have seen people who do animation over stand-ups and again that's it's like if they're doing it by hand you know they're not you know it's like animating with a computer but by you know it's original animation it's like that's i'm okay with that sure i know that i've already
1: let my intended philosophy lesson slip are you getting out
0: under the radar pretty good
1: by slip i don't mean i've already put it in the conversation i mean i've abandoned it completely and i'm coming up with something oh. else i like this idea of exploring what the connection is between improv and stand-up since you're the first stand-up we've had on the show here any creation of anything of course involves improvising something you know then your your editor brain goes in and you fix it up and you're not improv so much during your your set are you or are you like doing crowd work
2: are you talking about improv groups or are you talking about improvising on stage? Improvising on stage is Okay, so I would say there is a thing that you try first and then it works. So you're in the moment and then you say something and all of a sudden it's like, okay, they I got that got a big laugh because of this situation. So you put it in your back pocket for life. So next time you're in that situation, you're going to do that. And then it gets that laugh again. For me, anytime a guy in the front row had like long hair that kind of looked like a rocker or something, I would kind of stare at him and say like, we're getting the band back together. And that would always work. And I always had it in my back pocket. And when I would do it, it looked like it was the first time I ever did it. But of course I probably did it 60, 70 times in my life. And your job is to sell it like it is the first time you've never seen this person before you've never seen anything like this and you're just gonna give him like this original thing but of course like good improv on stand-up has been done a lot of times and it's like it's something that you always have in situations
0: well, i think also part of it mark is do improvisers in an improv show you go to a big you know theater in new york or here in chicago or even particularly, you know, a short form theater, are they redoing the same jokes again? And some might be literally doing the similar characters or similar things they've done before. But underneath that, you could also say, well, they're doing the same style of scene, the same type of scene. You and I, Mark, have fallen into a, some would call it a rut, others would call it a pattern. Uh, (laughs) And in a way, even though we're different characters, maybe saying different lines of dialogue, we're in a comfortable character place, and that, in some ways, similar to Maddie talking about using a joke again, you could even say us reusing situations or reusing these frustration scenes is similar.
1: He's uh, referring, uh, <laughs> Maddie, if you had
0: not heard a lot of it,
1: Bill has this character of, of ass man, and he just says, ass, ass, in a really funny way, and he, and he just, and he pulls that out pretty much every scene
0: that we do. Why not? Not true, not true, but it also never fails.
2: I think also (laughs) with uh, a lot of young comics, when I would meet them and they were very excited to get on stage, and they were like, you know, I'm just going to go up there. I'm just going to wing it. Like, I'm just going to fucking wing it. I'm going to just, I'm so good at this. And they always go down. Like, I've never (laughs) seen somebody have the ability. I think Patrice O'Neill is the only guy that really was a guy that could just go up there and, not have anything prepared, and just be hysterical in the moment. But for most of us, we had to look like we were winging it, but it was very well rehearsed. There's definitely, at least
0: there has been in Chicago and my friends in New York, maybe not now, but in in years past, some rivalry between the two camps Sure. and the improv camp thinking that stand ups just as you said, it has to look natural, but they can see well, that's not nice, that's not that's not honest you know there can, is a look-
2: definite it's hard to explain there is a rivalry, and there is kind of like a little he said she said between the improv troupe and the stand up I remember being in a green room, and an improv troupe was doing a show, so before the stand up show was the improv show, and I got there early, and an improv troupe is in the green room, and they're doing these exercises, and they're doing the like you know, she sells seashells by the seashore and they're doing all this weird stuff. And I wanted to like put a gun in my mouth and shoot myself because (laughs) it was very insufferable them doing these bizarre exercises, screaming at the top of their lungs. It was a little bizarre and a little like attention hungry. Whatever floats your boat, like if you love improv and I know there's like a definite skill to it, I'm not good at it at all. But there is something that like stand-up comedians have this thing where Improv people are really annoying. Yeah. Which could be unfair.
0: I will say, too many improv people can be annoying. I'm going to say that right now. And (laughs) just as there are a wide breadth of stand ups ability levels, there are a wide breadth of improv ability levels also. And I would imagine you could also be annoyed by a, a stand up with negative chops with inverse personality. What their warm up routine might be or their act might be could be just as cringeworthy as some improvisers warming up.
2: I think one of the main problems in improv is you're just, you're in the moment of like, maybe there's a funny moment. Sometimes you see a good stand up comic, you'll learn something, or at least you get a point of view. Or at least they're like, this is what I want to say, and I'm going to do it in a humorous way. With an improv troupe, you might get a few like things like, ha 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 ha, but you go home not thinking about, you don't remember a darn thing. It goes in and out.
0: I will say, The very good improvisers are capable of doing that. I think the barrier to entry for improv is far lower than stand-up. So I think you get a lot of, hey, great people. Well done. Hey, you got up there and improvised. That's great. So because of that low barrier to entry, you're going to get more improvisers and it's going to dilute the, hey, you're having fun. That's great. Please have fun from the, well, this person's actually... Really, really good and amazing and can be sublime or interesting or have a point of view other than can we be funny. So
2: I'm going to push back a little bit. And there's always been a joke about being invited to somebody's 101 improv graduation like that is like the ultimate torture more power to them like you work in an office and you are shy and you want to get out of your comfort zone and you take an improv class and you get to meet a bunch of people you have fun you go out with drinks oftentimes people have sex you know it's allegedly 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 it's like a very it's a way to meet people in a social way where you can kind of be silly and then you have a graduation show and your friends in the office go, Oh my God, Bob, I didn't know this side of you, or Sally, like you were really funny. And then you have some drinks and then you kind of go on. And most people quit after that. And then there's people that they're lifers. And then that's a whole other can of wall <laughs> of wax.
1: So there have been several things that have come up that have made me think of a scene. And I think that maybe we need to do something around, you can f- finish this off for me, Bill, but. Some corporate mandated improv. In other words, instead of getting pulled to HR and going anger management or something, something more fun, something that will enable the two parties who are uh, in conflict to work it out via improv by learning improv skills. You have it all thought out. Why improvise? So we don't need to do that scene. <laughs> we, we, <laughs> Well, we can, Mark.
0: And again, I think this it's is... a premise. It's not a scene. I didn't finish that, it. That is correct. That is correct. The things that improv is really good at are going to be discoveries that you wouldn't have guessed and angles and takes on things that you would not necessarily have imagined would happen. So in the spirit of improv, I have to say yes, Mark. <laughs> However, can we add a wrinkle to it? Please. Cool. Here is the wrinkle, Mark. You're going to jump on the chat. Or actually, we're going to, we're going to have Maddie jump on our little popular video conferencing software chat and he's just going to write any old emotion or feeling on there and that's how i'm going to feel about how you start the scene now this is not necessarily for anyone listening at home This this whole idea hey, it's fun to have emotions it's no i want to introduce some absurdity i want to introduce a left turn i want to introduce something early that could provide dividends later
1: all right, so I understand you folks have uh, been having having some problems at work. That uh, you know, having the desks right next to each other, the jokes with the stapler and the cello and the just immature stuff. And so, rather than fire both of you, some mandatory. Are we in trouble? Are we in trouble? You're in some trouble, yes, but nothing that we can't get out of with the power of our imaginations.
0: Look, I don't really. I don't want to be in trouble. I don't want to be in. Uh, this is just not, I got my performance review coming up and
2: now I, uh, it's the holidays, buddy. like you can't fire us during the holidays. I mean, well, that's
1: actually part of the whole premise for doing this instead of the firings that we save the firings until after the holidays. If this exercise doesn't work out, if so this firing's doesn't solve on the, table. Problem. Firing's oh, oh, on definitely. the table, it's definitely on the, on the table. Oh. So, but let's, what let's relax. Because we have an out here. So I want you to uh, sit across the table, not at your normal cubicles. You have a wall between you. But here, there's no walls. You get to look right into
0: each other's eyes. Are you comfortable with that? Look,
2: it's all
0: all a joke, okay? It's just a joke. Us going back and forth and picking on each other, right?
2: Yeah, I mean,
0: look, we get lunch twice a week sometimes. (laughs) Yes. It's not, I don't know who's saying that we're...
1: Yes, well... We had to fumigate the entire office last week, thanks to your, your joking, you know, leaving traps and things around the, you. Know, how could you think that other people would not be caught in the crossfire of I your think shenanigans? people
2: whoever said that stuff should come forward and said it like we should know who's saying this stuff about us. This is in
1: the constitution. Uh, it's, it's well established that, let's, let's move, let's move to the exercise. The thing is, if you can settle, can create something together that's positive positive. Then you'll have that to stick to when you're tempted to once again, uh, oh. you know, put the other person's computer in the microwave. Like, that was not cool. That was a ruin the microwave, ruined quite a lot of equipment. You saw why that was a, a bad
0: idea, right? Don't turn on a microwave until you see what's inside of it. <laughs> I mean, you just I just put his laptop in the microwave. I didn't turn it on. Okay, Who's just randomly turning on microwaves. What do we we have to do to get out of this? All right.
1: So we're going to run a couple scenarios and I want you to use your imaginations, positive thinking. I want you to get out of the attitudes, the roles you've held towards each other. I want you to connect in a way that you didn't even think possible. Okay, fine. Now I've written something on a piece of paper that I'm going to give to each of you. and, And this has your role in the scene. I'll say that they're both animals, but they're not necessarily animals that you'd expect to get along. When you've read it, I want you to just start addressing the other person as the animal that you are. Bah! I'm, I'm a sheep. Then, you, know, you, you have to show, don't tell. You speak English. It's okay. You, can, you I'm need a to sheep. Be
0: to, I, that's English. I mean, that's I not...
1: Do you understand that the character of a sheep... Put yourself inside the sheep. Don't just I make the sound of a sheep. Don't just say, I am a sheep.
0: Be I the job. sheep. I can't, I can't lose my job. Okay. Matt, oh, Matt.
2: man, this is well,
0: hard. Okay. I understand that.
1: That's a pretty good. All right. Matt is actually doing, doing the animal. Okay. Yeah. Respond to him. Uh, uh,
2: it's okay. I'm sometimes life here. is hard for me, too. Um, I'm just sitting here waiting. I'm waiting for something to do. I'm waiting for you to do something.
0: Okay. I'm and gonna, I will
2: pounce. I will pounce. I will sit here in my cage, but you do something stupid again.
0: You're in a cage right now?
2: Yeah, but I can get out.
0: Okay, if I were to urinate on you, could you? how quickly would you take to get out? Oof. Now,
1: is this, I was, is this, I this I a... I would
2: suggest you want to do that.
1: Yes, yes. Create. You've got a conflict. You've, you're, you're fundamentally different types of creatures, but now you're going to resolve that contract.
2: You're, you're going to use your imagination. I'm, I'm, I, I will sit there. I will be good. I will sit in my cage. You just don't mess with me because I don't know how fast I can get out of the cage, but I will get out of the cage, but I'll sit there and I'll sit there being stoic. I'll yawn. I'll take some naps. I'll work sometimes.
0: Question. Can I tie knots? Does my sheep know how to tie? Bill, knots? Don't don't break character. You can decide you are the master of your character. Okay. Um, I know how to tie knots, so I'm going to tie the cage shut. I don't
2: want a lion eating me. I mean, that's that's fine. I'm a gentle guy, but I will slaughter if I have to. Okay, and I'm tired of the bullshit. All right, well, I think we found some resolution. No,
0: no, to delve into that. What is the what is the bullshit? You, there's a physical barrier between you.
1: Now you can uh, you can still communicate. You can explore each other's feelings in a way that
0: perhaps you couldn't if, if with the threat of imminent death. I like eating grass. I don't want to get eaten.
2: I don't want to hurt anybody, but sometimes I get hungry when I get mad.
0: Maybe we as sheep could designate one sheep a week to be through some lottery system to be fed to the lion. And that way the lion would be satisfied and we'll, we'll come up with our own little system, a lottery to feed the lion. Is that agreeable? If you don't
2: mess. We won't mess. No more, no more laptops in the microwave. Huh? No more putting weird shit on my desk.
1: Yeah, this is it. This is it. Reality and the imagination are coming together. Now finish it. Finish it,
2: Bill.
0: And no more randomly jumping out of trees to kill us. Excellent. All right. All right. Good job, both of you. Good
1: job, both of you. I feel like the metaphor, the reality, your imaginations, we even connected it back to the real world here. Do you feel better about each other? Do you feel like you you could, uh, are you now more comfortable gazing into each other's eyes? Just try it again. Try the gazing.
2: This is a hard exercise, by the way.
1: I see, I see serious love here. I like Bill. All right. That is a good guy. We're going to retract one of the strike from your uh, office record here, thanks to this exercise. And uh, as long as there's no more shenanigans, then we won't have to do this again. But if you want to do this, just the two of you on your own, as long as it's during approved break times, you're, you're more than welcome.
2: Yeah, I'll file that away. I'll, uh, I'll this is a that. tough one. The one question I have is, what is the Chicago Tribune behind you? What is that story behind you? My line wants to know. Can we break character?
0: Let's break character from
1: two
2: <laughs> levels. Let's break I'm just all, so the way, I'm all the way
1: at. up to the surface. We're now out of the, of the corporate scene. We're in the real world.
2: So in your office, what is
0: behind my, you? My home office, I have a framed issue of the Chicago Tribune from the Steve Bartman Cubs playoff game. Oh, boy. I was Poor at guy. the game. Yes. That was my, my ticket stub. Wow. I worked for the Chicago Tribune at the time. In the classified call center, which probably doesn't exist anymore. And they were like, the, the Tribune owned the Cubs and they were like, hey, we're in the playoffs and we'll give away, pardon me, we won't give away tickets. We'll give the option to buy tickets to several random employees. And for one of the games I won, of course, I, mean, I had to buy the two tickets. You know, this was, you know, it hadn't been in the playoffs for 100 years. This was 90, you know, or 2001, 2000, you know, whatever it was. It was 2003. Yeah. There we go. I should know. I got the dang thing. But yeah. Yeah. Steve Bartman. Poor guy. Poor guy. Mark does not know Steve Bartman. You could not be more bored slash I'm, confused. I'm just,
1: I'm glad that the bonding has carried over from the scene <laughs> into the podcast itself. And uh, hopefully, you know, the people, find you could that do a whole this, episode on that
2: poor fella.
0: So many layers. So many layers, Mark. Yeah, that poor guy. Yeah. What was his? Did he get Lou Bartman's disease?
2: He was the guy that interfered with the outfielder, so-called interfered with the outfielder, and the outfielder flipped out. The Cubs were a couple outs from winning the World Series. After that play, the game just changed, and they got killed, and he got blamed for everything. And he was a lifelong, nerdy Cubs fan. He was a sweet guy and just had to go into hiding.
0: One of the uh, editors was sitting a few seats ahead of us, and I kind of over talking before the game, and he's like, you know, hey! Jerry, you going back into the office tonight? No, 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 no. We got two covers already picked out. All I got to do is call and tell them which one to run, and I probably won't even have to do that. Ha 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 ha! Hand me another beer. Yeah. He went to the office that night. I going to say that.
1: <laughs> and there's no way when you've been publicly humiliated like that to have a similar one-on-one. The public should designate a person that, if the person who's being canceled or whatever can work it out with this one person then that person stands for the rest of society, and there can be forgiveness. Okay, I think that's a fun, that that sounds like a science fiction story. Or, I think we've just given the blueprint for this, this animal, some variation off of the improv. Improv solves all the world's problems, is what I'm trying to say. I'm not going to go that far. Do you love improv, Mark? I'm ambivalent about
2: it. Or you're indifferent. You're <laughs> no, indifferent.
1: No, I'm not indifferent. I wouldn't do the, the podcast if I were indifferent. Yeah. But I'm very interested in it as a skill, as just a form of intelligence and entertainment and something that seems easier to me than stand-up. Because I've tried writing stand-up routines, and I'm not. I don't know. The idea of saying the same thing over and over again, that's hard enough. But, you know, I've been in plays. I get I get that. And, of course, creating your own thing that you say over and over again. I mean, that's like songwriting, which I do. And you can just like, you know, delivering a song. You do it a little different every time. You can still have fun with it. You can really connect individually with the audience. So there's something, even if you're saying the same words, you're saying it to a different person. You're saying it in a different set, you know. So there's, but I don't know. Improv just seems easier. It seems to well, be. Well, you
2: got to be <laughs> fast, too. I will say this. The one of the skills, you got to be fast, like you tap somebody and you got to go and you got to have something. And you also got to not care what people think because you got to go real fast. You don't know if it's going to work and you got to say it real fast and you might make a real fool of yourself if it doesn't fit in or you don't get a laugh. That's one of the toughest things I would say about improv is like tap somebody and you got to go. And then there's a time where two people are screaming at the same time and that's really bad improv. When you see two people trying to one-up each other, that's when you uh, head for the exit. Yes, I concur. So
1: how did you both feel about the scene that we just did?
2: It's good because we didn't scream over each other and we resolved things. And I didn't try to be funny. I I actually, I was in advertising about 15 years ago for a little while. And I had a partner and we had a falling out and we fucking hated each other. And our desks were next to each other. So I channeled that feeling of like where I was in that moment. Perfect. Very method, very method. But some people would be like, well, you guys weren't funny or you guys didn't like, weren't over the top. You know, I could be like, I'm a lion. I'm going to eat your children and, you know, do this and that. And it, that might be funny. Somebody might be funny, but it would, to me, it's just too much over the top. And Well, that's where taste and style come in.
0: And you know what? It's a lot of different kinds of music, a lot of different kinds of TV shows and movies. And what makes them different is their style and a lot of different different kinds of stand-ups. Some you like, some you don't like. But in the same regard, you know, there's a lot of different improv out there. And some is wild and wooly and crazy and over the top on purpose. And some seeks to avoid that. Let's stop for some sponsor talk. So you like
1: philosophy? Are you interested in religion as well? How about complaining about evangelicals? If that Venn diagram centers you, check out A Pastor and a Philosopher Walk into a Bar, a podcast that centers philosophy, theology, and practical spirituality. It's a rare mix, kind of like seeing a Griffin or a humble megachurch pastor. Hosts Kyle Whitaker, the philosopher, and Randy Nye, the pastor, feature expert guests and have conversations in which they're not afraid to disagree and share what they actually think even when it pushes the edge of their traditions and comfort zones. Guests range from philosophers to historians to social theorists to novelists. Topics include things like how to disagree well, gender and sexuality, epistemic humility, racism, politics, the relationship between faith and reason, and a lot more. Oh, and they take the bar thing seriously. Every episode features a tasting of an interesting whiskey or some other adult beverage. After all, some conversations require a stiff drink. Listen and subscribe to A Pastor and a Philosopher Walk Into a Bar wherever you get your podcasts. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4 E or Summit 4 E not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by one. Jeep is a registered trademark. Someone I was describing this podcast to or got in a discussion with improv about was saying, that sounds really fun to do as opposed to, to witnessing it. And maybe that's the line, you know, that when you're, you got a good standup set, you know, hopefully you feel good doing it, even if you're doing it for the 900th time, (laughs) because you know, that you're exploring the the frontiers of the joke and you're polishing, you're getting it toward a a state of perfect timing, perfect content, but it's still, it is curated for the audience. Whereas improv seems like a more selfish thing. You're self-expressing and hopefully it's good. But I don't know. Is there such a difference as you guys see as as I'm laying out here?
2: I would say improvisers would say the opposite. Hmm. Yeah, improv is a team sometimes. So like people have teams and they have names and I think they compete. I'm not sure if they compete against other teams. But I've had guys call me in the middle of the night and be like, yo, this improv team kicked me out. And I'm like, what are you (laughs) doing? Like, these guys are losers. Who cares? They did you a favor. But the guy was really upset. So there's kind of like a team and a camaraderie, and I think stand-up is like tennis, like it's an individual sport or golf, and you're almost competing against the course of some sort. But it all comes down to people that do it, and one of the reasons why I don't do it as much is I don't need that attention as much. It's an attention-seeking thing. It's a thing that gives you endorphins, gives you love, gives you attention, makes you feel good about yourself. So much of like comedy is making yourself feel better about yourself or being insecure and curing that or putting a bandaid on your insecurities. And improv is a little easier because you're with a group, you know, like if you're in a band, you know, you're the bass player, you're part of it, but you fuck up. Nobody's really going to know. And improv, I think you can mess up, stand up, you screw up, you bomb, you're all alone. It's just you up there and it's a pretty lonely place. Yeah,
0: I want to push back a little bit, Mark, on this idea of, well, it sounds like it's fun to do, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's fun to observe. And I would say that I want my basketball teams and my football teams to win the game, to do the best they can, to not worry about what's going to look good or what's going to pad their stat sheet or actually look good on camera. You know, for me, I'm not into chess, but I think I would enjoy watching people play chess at a high level. They don't need to take my, the fact that I'm observing them into account. In fact, I'd almost not want them to take it into account. Now, again, improv, stand up, music, there is a broad spectrum of abilities and motivations for doing it. But, you know, hey, Picasso, why don't you paint this? It's like, that's not, that wouldn't be fun for me. What's fun for me is what's Picasso going to do?
1: You don't think that would be fun to have a Picasso for a day to rent a Picasso and just walk around like Hey, get yeah, paint that street great. I want to see that street great. A Picasso version of that. Oh, that little kitten. Paint
0: that little kitten. Yeah, that's hilarious. You're great. You're an awesome painter, Picasso. You did exactly what I asked you to do. <laughs> what's, the, what's the fun in that? You know, it's like a little gross. There are definitely things that are fun to do and may not be fun for an observer. But boy, I'm telling you, if you get to a high enough level, seeing people create is fun. Seeing people, Bob Ross. I mean, she whiz. What, would you ever buy a Bob Ross painting? How about this? Would you buy a Bob Ross painting that did not come with a certificate of authenticity? That's the only way I would buy one, is if I could prove this is an actual Bob Ross. Uh,
2: I have a question for both of you. Have you ever been to an improv show with the high level, maybe the cream of the crop? I know Chicago's got this incredible scene. Have you seen like the so-called best do it? Because I never have. And before I completely judge it, I would need to see... <laughs> the best do it. But I will say like, I've talked to Mark about SNL stat would have to be the best sketch people in the world because it's on, it's the number one show. It's got this brand for 50 years and it's pretty bad. So like, I don't have much faith in seeing the cream of the crop improv guys or girls, but I would give it a chance.
1: Yeah. I bet you've seen like the Christopher guest movies.
2: Okay, Spinal Tap, one of my favorite Yes,
1: yes that's improv, that's long-form improv, which is what, not gamified, I mean, yeah, long-form. Our scene
0: was long-form. Yes, even though it was a short <laughs> scene, but that's the
1: technical term,
0: I guess. The style, yeah. I hear what you're saying, and I think that's true. I mean, society says, you know, Saturday Night Live must be the funniest or is funny enough to be on television, but I mean, I haven't sat down to watch a whole show in decades. I would much rather see Tim and Eric clips on YouTube. You know, I'd much rather see, you know. Yeah. So that's the other thing about it, which can be tricky. And I'm sure this happens in stand up as well, where there's like, well, you got there's a mass market stand up. Yeah. You're going to have to, you can't work blue or you need to yeah. be fun with your blueness. But maybe the message that you want to convey can only be done super blue or, or, or.
2: There's people that we understand commercially have to be pushed through. For cosmetic reasons and stuff like that. And it's just part of business, you know, and you just kind of go with it and people kind of understand it, but it's kind of the market and they're not always the best. I mean, how many music, you know, artists are completely marketable and fucking terrible? (laughs) So, I mean, every form of art has that. Maybe not painting because we're looking at the art and we're not looking at the artist, but. For the most part, anything that is you or a person or a group, a lot of it comes down to politics and cosmetic stuff that makes people more marketable.
0: I'm dying to know what the philosophy lesson is, Mark. If
1: you had anything in particular. What I came in here, I've long abandoned. I'll, I'll bring it up for another time. But the thing that I'm thinking here just is in terms of the sort of getting at the heart of why existentially would one do improv or stand-up comedy sort of what is the ultimate purpose that if if it's some sort of
2: it's as simple as attention forget about the message anymore it's as simple as people needing love and attention it's all it is i mean when i look back at it and i spend many nights thinking why did i spend so many nights doing comedy i needed love i wasn't cool in high school i wasn't cool in college and then stand up it gave me a purpose and made people like me more than they should like me, and made girls <laughs> like me that I could never imagine like me. And every night I would go home and I would bury my real problems, and I would think about how good I did or how bad I did. And it was this bizarro individual thing that was bigger than built like building a craft or building jokes. It was, I'm telling you, most people that get into it, they all desire some sort of love, and they get these insane endorphin kicks when they get laughs and when they hang out afterwards and people say they were funny and they post like what they got on Facebook or what they're doing on Instagram. It's all it is. Sorry to say.
1: (laughs) How does that connect with your experiences as an improver, Bill? (laughs) Not
0: dissimilar. Uh, (laughs) And again, just as Matty was saying earlier, there are people who get involved in improv. Oh, because someone said... It's a good social outlet, or or it is fun to do, and there are definitely people who are in it to win it, and will stop at nothing to reach fame and fortune, whatever that means for them. And there are others who do find that it's just it's a super fun hobby and a super cool thing to do, and I enjoy the people around me. But there is this thing hanging over it, which is the, the moment people started getting hired for Saturday Night Live from the improv world. The second those things started happening. Suddenly, the classes are now sold out. You can't say that there's not a piece of that. Now, people do make it. Amazingly funny people come through, go through stand up, go through improv, and achieve some pretty cool things, you know? And that's awesome, you know? There's many, many people who I hope, really hope they're enjoying themselves because they're, they're probably, they may not have a long, well paid career. And that's, again, If you're having fun doing it, I'm not going to say you're not allowed to pursue fun, and and it is enjoyable, and it is social, and you do have a peer group, but hanging over all of that can be this whole career thing, and fame, and fortune, and love, and attention, and scratching that itch, feeding the monkey, but I can hang over things, and and color things in an unfun way.
2: I mean, like, I look at Robin Williams, and obviously, one of the most talented people we've had on our planet. And... You put him on a TV show like a Letterman or whatever, you go on these Conan. He, would, he had to be funny every second. And he was over the top, funny and funny. And he is like the biggest example of a guy that's so insecure. They're like, we know you're funny. We know you're a great actor. So just relax. But he couldn't. And a lot of people that have that are like, they have to get that instant gratification all the time. Those type of people kind of push me away from it because I can't deal. Like it's just a little too much sometimes. And I feel like improv people have that the most where they desire. And I'm, I'm not trying to knock it because like you said, it's family. Like you go out, you go with your group, you have a great time. You have some beers afterwards. You talk, you laugh, you're a team. There is this sense of like, you have to be funny all the time. You have to prove yourself all the time. You have to one up the next guy all the time. And it can get exhausting.
1: Well, you're making me reflect on my experiences as a wannabe musician playing... You were a musician. You were not a wannabe musician. You were a... Yes. Okay. But so it's sort of the midpoint. We've talked about how painting is different than these performance things. And music is sort of in between. That the thing that I have gotten the most joy out of overall is constructing recordings like one would construct a painting. Yeah. I also do like if the environment is optimal... (laughs) delivering songs to people and getting that rush of the, but the life of a touring musician or, or, you know, trying to scrabble gigs around town, you're not going to get those optimal things. Like everything is like, we're playing this as a means to something else as a means to something. Like, so it's very different between musicians who are 29, who are still trying to make it. And those who are 39 and are like, well, if you're still doing it, You're probably just like trying to do it in a sustainable way that's actually enjoyable. And, you know, for me, that sort of meant moving to a school play model of we're going to do one gig every three months and we're going to do it on a Saturday and it's going to be a nice place. It's not going to be smoky and it's not going to blare our ears out and we're not going to be playing with five terrible bands where, you know, it's going to be get our friends there. Maybe not that many of them, but, you know, it's going to be worth doing. Part of the difference is also: Are you guys the standups versus the improvers doing similar venues? It seems like that. Uh, well, there
2: is a lot of crossfire, and the, and it's kind of funny because when I moved, I moved to L.A. in 2010, and improv was massive. And I remember there was a place that opened in Hollywood, I think called I.O. I.O. something, I.O. West or something, and they would have the improv shows would be packed. And then they had like three rooms and then they would have, you would, they would have like a standup show because they were trying to get as many shows in as possible. And there was maybe eight people at the standup show. Mm. And it was like standing room only out the door for improv. And then it just kind of died. Like it had its moment about 10, 12 years ago where UCB was massive and all these other little improv schools were opening up. And then it just kind of, I mean, Bill, you probably know more than I do because I was never in that world, but like, it was one of those fads. I, I don't even want to knock it by calling it a fad because I do think there's skill to it. And it's, it's something that people can do very well. But it just, what happens? Well, it's
0: like, how did the Beatles affect guitar sales? You know what I'm saying? And, and I don't want to say that everyone who's getting into it is getting into it for the wrong reasons. Or they're just, they're just a ladder climber. I want to be famous. But it becomes a viable option. It becomes something you can do. And again, I, I do know some people who have written on some cool shows or done some cool things. Most people I know in the entertainment world are like writers and producers and people that no one would strive for those jobs, but would take them in a heartbeat <laughs> the other way around it. But like I had a buddy who called it the Tina Fey bounce. Yeah. And when Tina Fey's book came out and More Power Tours, you wrote that book and, and, sure. and 30 Rock and all that improv schools exploded. Yeah. It always had what it always had, but it now had, this is a route. You now a lot of people would like a career in the entertainment world in some regard. Well, this is a route. If you want to be a CPA, I'll tell you exactly how to be a CPA, and I have known nothing about accounting. Sure. Do math in high school, college prep, go to a college, major in business, take a CPA course, get your license. Done. Great. How do I get on SNL? Ooh. How do I be that rock star? How do I be this person that I esteem? You know, how do I write my own sketch comedy show on, on YouTube? You know, it's like there's no well-beaten path. So things will come up, stand up in the, in the 70s and 80s, suddenly became a thing yeah. in the way that improv was a thing in the late 90s, early 2000s, mostly 2000s, 2010. But like it suddenly presented a, a pathway and many people got on that path. You know, it's interesting. It's fun. There's a romantic element to that
2: well then you realize only a few make it. you get to the point yes. where like it's like anything like rock music like there's gonna yeah. be one or two people that slip through the cracks and become stars and the rest of them are gonna be playing in their local b- bars whatever and quit and get married and, and you either love
0: it yeah, And love making music and love doing, and, and you don't need a big house or a big thing because you really, really enjoy doing it. And that's a difficult thing. And I'm sure you would agree that what isn't said is how much just blind, naked luck is involved. And none of us want to believe it, but there are so many wonderfully cool, interesting, fun, talented people who don't work as much as anyone who knows them thinks they should for a million and one dumb reasons. Well, I'm a
1: strict social Darwinist. I think anybody who's not <laughs> famous, it's because they
0: suck. Look, what's difficult is someone else gives you permission. Someone else lets you on their stand-up stage. Someone else tells you you can improvise. Someone else hires you to write. Someone, does that make sense? If you put yourself in a position where your value as a human is determined on a whole chain of other opinions, you're going to go crazy. You're going to watch well, out well, that's and what I did. and <laughs> yes,
2: what, yeah. I, what, I, what I did was... I spent a lot of my time, I mean, Mark, I got introduced by Mark by a friend named Danny LaBelle. We were comics, and we would spend most of the time on the phone, not talking about jokes or our act, but what other people are getting. And we would sit there and we'd go, do you believe so-and-so got this? He sucks. Life is unfair. And you, I would get bitter. I would get angry. I would be pissed off at the world. I went to the point where I'm like, I don't want to feel that anymore. And that was like the journey of a standup where you're not sitting there like, how do I write a great joke? Or like, how do I get better? You're sitting there looking at Facebook going, so-and-so is bragging about this. So-and-so got this and you're fucking pissed and the world sucks and you're angry. And that's kind of the sad journey of like comedy.
1: So there are a lot of thoughts on the table. Now, can we take it (laughs) home and finish up this by having another scene
0: that one of you designs or gets us started on. No problem. Mark, I'm going to send you a little emotion here to be. Does that make sense? Yes. And again, the idea is this is not like, you know, wacky kind of thing, but just to introduce some absurdity, some we don't know what's going to happen into this. And this is just who you're going to be. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Uh, here's the thing. Like, if we're going to have this show, you know, I think we should probably call some bars. They got some back rooms. You know, maybe the... Uh, uh, O'Reilly's has that space in the back. We want to set up there or uh, O'Reilly's socks. Go, d- 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 keep going. Keep going. We're just trying to think of venues, bro. It's just O'Reilly socks. I mean, uh- okay. Look, my sister rented this back room at the art gallery. I know it's like kind of not really very rock and roll, but like it was a cool space and it had its own entrance, you know? So it's like,
2: how much are you going to charge? Oh, they were charging 75 bucks. Flat. 75 bucks? Flat. How much are you gonna charge? Are we gonna? Are you gonna charge a, a door price? Yeah, like ten bucks at the door. Yeah. What do you get for ten bucks? You get our show. You get our rock show for ten bucks. That's what it's you a, get. It's a rock show. You get anything else?
0: Well, I don't know. Byo. I'm sure we can score some beers off of other people. You know. What do you think, Mark? Beers are good. We should totally have just like lots of beers. But I'm saying it's going to be this that art gallery space. You know. Uh,
2: no, O'Reilly sucks. Our is cool. O'Reilly's sucks. Can you put an improv troupe in between each band? Like a comedian too? Yeah, I'm sure we could do I'm available. that. Available. Improv sucks. Okay. No improv. No improv.
1: What about stand up? Stand up s- sucks too. Only <laughs> music, but like real, not like guys, posers. Like our band, Jeff's band, no posers. All right, we'll do it. Cool. I'll call I'll, I'll set it up. Musical comedy cool stand-up comedy sucks sucks i agree singing with a sense of humor with a sense of irony with a sense of perspective cool okay mark do you know anybody who does that who we could book i do know somebody that could do that i could be the i could do the fill-in i've been working on a solo act i know that i'm just the drummer but i've been working on a solo act where i have a, a kazoo and i do kind of like a pastiche of references, kind of a, a weird Al, but like more cerebral. And I think, uh, I think it's going to, it's going to
0: really uh, get the ladies flowing.
2: Yeah. That's what it's about.
0: We may want to, this is the first I'm hearing about this, Mark. I'm, hey, that's cool, man. That's cool. You got like a comedy musical thing. Maybe we could get a little sneak preview before we.
1: Well, I was doing, you know, sometimes I just stop playing the drums and I juggle. Like, it's like that. Well, I've seen like twirl your sticks, you know, that's cool. But I mean, yeah, but it's the expression. It's like, what's in my twirling? What's going on with the twirling man? You know, it's kind of like the twirling man is kind of what I call the solo act. I think we should devote, you know, a significant portion of the evening to that twirling man. I like maybe just have, uh, you know, the group play a couple songs, then the twirling man for maybe 45 minutes and then Jeff's band for, uh, you know, maybe five songs because you know jeff's band you know i I like them but they're they're they
0: sort of suck i want to push back a little bit on this i mean I, i think primarily people are going to be coming to see our band they're going to come in to see hated and we're going to blow doors and we're going to rock but um i yeah yeah we have a following we've got some social medias you know and i think it may be tricky to just uh twirling man people might take twirling man as a joke you know i don't know like i mean a a joke only insofar as life itself is a joke well like it's a goof it's a goof you know and and uh, i would i would hate for your work to be seen as uh, a goof you know that's not fair you know so maybe maybe this is something we can kind of table twirling man to give it its own uh what did you
1: think about the the costumes for hated that i i emailed you about
0: i thought that was a goof to be perfectly frank i thought that is that is that not a goof too. What's great
1: about the Twirling Man is just the one-on-one connection with the audience. Whereas Hated is such a, a wall of sound kind sort of thing that I think just us having the Black Hoods. I don't know, Maddie, it seems like you sort of wear something that's almost like a black hood anyway.
2: Yeah, I I dig it and I it's going to be tough who headlines, you know, but that's so important. But if you can bring it home, you can bring it home. No, we're headlining.
0: Hated is headlining. This is not a discussion, all right? if I'm going to be setting this thing up, hated is the headliner. All right. We got a little bit of capital. We've got the PA. We've got these things. And we All got, right. the, that- we got the masks. So completely faceless mm. wall TBD. Of
1: sound TBD, a merely an impression of just raw power and then twirling man. And that's sort of what like makes them feel like they, they actually came for something in particular. And then Jeff's band does their bullshit.
2: Whoa. Bullshit.
1: That's rough. I mean, how many, like, Ziggy Marley
0: covers do you want in a set? Well, that's why they open. Okay. They get four songs, all right? Take a little intermission. Hated comes out, blows the doors off, and then maybe if people want to stick around for some twirling man while they're finishing up their beers and whatnot, I think that'd be great. That sounds to me like a rock show. And I see some nodding. Okay, we're settled. So twirly man can kind of bring up the rear a little bit
1: do you want to rock do you feel like rocking i have in the past wanted to rock i just feel like i'm emerging as a as a solo artist and uh you know i i don't want to cause trouble with the band or something but i just feel like having everybody else wear a completely black outfits with no Eyes visible and then Except for you. Twir- Except for yes, you. Yes, because then the twirling, people have to know where their eyes are supposed to go. They gotta have like a channel for their fuck energy. All their fluids. It's gotta just come right to a you know To you. Yeah. Cause I can handle it. I mean Manny, like when Matt's you know, he's doing the guitar solo and then like some chick like eyes him and he's just like you don't it's even know what to do thing. with yourself. You just like, we've got to at least either, either have the completely faceless or you've got to work on the, the eyes because when you look back at the, the lady who's ogling you and she like runs screaming because she just is like so overwhelmed by the dorkiness coming off the stage, more twirling is what, I, what I'm thinking is the solution
0: for all this. I say, um, I don't like that idea. I'm going to say it right now. I don't like it all right? I say we try to distribute the sex energy amongst all of us fairly and equitably, all right? And that there is no focus. Hate isn't about one person. Hate is about the statement we're making about the world and what three people can accomplish who are given nothing, okay? (laughs) That's what hate is about, all right? Look what we can do when society hates us so much, you know? And to try to say that one person should catch any play, More than any others. I mean, I don't think that's true to the band and what we're all about. Are we done here? (laughs) (laughs) I think we're done done here. It seemed like there should have been
1: some sort of ending to that. that, But I I really liked your speech. I'll take my monologue as the end, yes.
2: (laughs) That was a a good monologue to end. It was very intense. And self-important. And I think that's (laughs) the thing
0: we haven't said that runs through so much performative art is a sense of self-importance. Well, competition, too. I
2: mean, who's going to head what? Yeah.
1: yeah, indeed. I think somehow r- revealing that Maddie actually is joining Jeff's band or something, that might have been a good
2: <laughs> end, to this, end yeah. to this. I think that was the subtext. I play a meme bass, like Jaco Pastoris <laughs>
1: We did it, Mark. Yeah. Did anybody win? Did anybody lose? Is this? A- I mean, I think I conceded to improv from the first... <laughs> moment by interpreting this whole thing as a an existential crisis about to perform to do comedy or what's the whole purpose so i I kind of co-opted i made the philosophy all about that that's fine. about about that's the improv fine. so improv will take the victory i think we have a guest and the and the guest can decide as happens do you feel like my uh sorry ass attempt to pull a philosophy out of this was a more profound thing that you'll be thinking about than merely, well, so Bill, say more about your improv lesson. It had something to do with this emotion.
0: This idea that I think one of the big differences between stand-up and and improv is that the stand-up wants to try to, now they're certainly open to the room, open to the warmth, what's going on, but this idea of craftsmanship and thinking about these things and that it's always fun to have a curveball. And a curveball in a stand-up show is different than a curveball in an improv show. So I just wanted to give these improv scenes a curveball, something to play with, something that's different. Mark was totally bro Yeah,
1: and I interpreted that in a very weird way.
0: <laughs> however you interpreted it is how you interpret <laughs> it. And that's fine. No, that's not, no one's checking your homework. We don't come to shows to grade your homework. That was that. And what was the emotion well, that was, not, that, for the first scene, that was? Oh, melancholy. That was yeah. the misspelled emotion ah, that I understood. Yeah. I took it more defeatist, but that's fine. Again, well, you see, no, I was, one's, coming uh, no one's coming to check homework. No one's coming to check homework. You were
1: panicked about losing your job. So these, these uh, yes, open to interpretation. All right, so you've heard the sides. You you make the judgment. Is there is there a winner today among between the two lessons,
2: Matty? Oh, uh, is there a winner? Well, everybody wins. The people who yeah. listen wins. Uh, I think even talking about this, I've gained, as much as I've maybe shit on improv, I've gained respect for it because i i do believe it. it's a craft and just like seeing the people in the green room doing their exercises and being like annoyed i never gave the thought to like they work really goddamn hard that they're really letting themselves go and and being vulnerable and i never really thought about that so i felt like i've learned a little just to give it another chance and respect what people do, because I always wanted people to respect, you know, I always had friends when I started comedy, they're like, how much you making for that gig? $10. And they say I'm an idiot. It really pissed me off because they didn't know how hard I was working. So I sometimes now I'm thinking like, you know, what? I never gave these people respect for the time, the passion that they have for something. Even if I don't really get it, people put a lot of fucking effort and, and a lot of like their life into improv. And I should respect it more. So there's my little beautiful revelation.
1: <laughs> yeah. Rather, rather than saying you got 10 bucks for this gig that really took you four hours all told, getting there and hanging out and doing this stuff, they should measure it in, in joules in a, a measure of energy. How many energy units did you? So it's, you know, that makes your rate actually much, much even worse. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, it's not two
1: dollars yeah. an hour it's one cent per uh, per
2: jewel comedy is a very misunderstood thing because people think they assume you're making a lot of money or they, they don't understand why you're doing so many, you do so many awful things to pay your dues, people don't really understand it
1: well I'm going to interpret
2: all that as the improv lesson
1: definitely yes. made the biggest effects on uh, <laughs> even if the, yeah. the philosophy was camouflaged in there and perhaps can claim some of the credit, thanks so much Matty for sitting here with us for an hour.
0: Great fun, man. Great fun. Great meeting you. Yeah, nice meeting you, Bill.
1: All right, I learned a lot from you today,
0: Bill and Matty. And I certainly learned a lot from both of y'all.
1: And and see. That's how we That's how we end. Hey, it's the end of the year. Hope you've enjoyed this intermittent stream of philosophy versus improv. The stream will probably continue to be intermittent, but we're starting a new thing with this episode. I'm not sure how long it'll go, but if you become a supporter of this at patreon.com slash where incidentally we only charge by how much we release, not by month, so we can be intermittent. We recorded video as we did this, and you can just see it unedited with our faces, all three of us, as it happened. If you want to support us in that way. If you don't want to support us that way, make sure you are at least subscribed directly to the Philosophy Versus Improv feed, even if you happen to be hearing this through the Partially Examined Life feed. So you can go to philosophyimprov.com or just look up Philosophy Versus Improv on the streaming service of your choice. And while you're there, why don't you leave a nice rating or review for the podcast that will help people learn about it. So happy holidays from me and from Bill. He did not specifically authorize me to wish you the happy holidays, but I'm, I'm pretty sure he'll be okay with it. And while Meta, you can also have his firstborn. Have a fantabulous holiday and a great
2: 2023.